So I have here with me a glove. It's a work glove. Uh, it's well made. It is tightly stitched together. And uh, this glove, it is actually designed for work. Okay, It is made to lift and to carry. And so it ought to be able to do some work this morning. So I'm going to say to this glove, glove, pick up that Bible. And it doesn't do anything. So, you know, well, I'll tell you what. Maybe what this glove needs, it needs some encouragement, just some inspiration, right? Come on, glove, you can do it. You got everything you need to pick up that Bible. Nothing. Maybe it just needs to be trained. It needs to be discipled, right? So I'm going to do some one-on-one here. And so, you know, let okay, glove, let's put our thumb and our finger together. You can do it back and forth. Nothing. Maybe what it needs is some fellowship. You know, let's get some other gloves in here to hang around with it. You know, we have a, we'll, we'll make it a multicultural fellowship here. We got lots of colors. And so, nothing. Still. And you know what? You know what I think is, I think this glove needs to make a commitment. It needs to rededicate itself to being a glove. So we're going to have an altar call for the glove, and it doesn't work still. But you, you kind of get the point there that it's painly, painfully obvious at this point that even though this glove was actually designed for work, it can't actually do work until a living hand fills every part of it and does its work through the glove, okay? So now, see, this is how the Holy Spirit works in us, Okay? We have the actual capacity to do great things and to be used and to be led by the Holy Spirit. But without him actually permeated into every single area of our lives, we actually fall short. And that is why we are in part three of this series that we are calling Third Person. And we are, calling, we are talking about the third person of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that we're calling it Third Person is because we've got to understand that He is God. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is God. He's part of the Trinity. Now, a lot of times, though, the Holy Spirit, we don't think of Him as God, right? We think of Him as a ghost, or something, that, something that's kind of uncomfortable. Um, you know, we know God the Father, we know God the Son, but the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, I, I don't know about that. And the re, one of the reasons is because a lot of times we have formed our thoughts about the Holy Spirit based upon some things that we've maybe seen or we've experienced in the past that, to, just to be honest, were very unbiblical. And so I'm convinced that people have got all kinds of ideas and thoughts about the, about the Bible, about church, and especially about the Holy Spirit that, just to be honest, it's based upon things that have been misrepresentative of him, okay? Now, what I want to do during this series is I want to show you a clear picture of him uh, because he has been packaged as this goofy, wild, crazy experience and sometimes he's been portrayed as just flat out weird. And the truth is that the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. All right? So the first week we pulled out this verse in Second uh, Corinthians. This is in the message paraphrase. And it says, it, this is a prayer that, uh, that was being prayed for people. This is my prayer for you and me. 
And that is that the amazing grace of the master Jesus. Now, it all starts there, okay? You can't have a relationship with God the Father or the Spirit until you first have one with Jesus. He's the one that pays for our sins, gives us a right standing with the Father. And then you can be connected with the Father who has extravagant love for you. A lot of people will tell you that God is mad, he's mean. No, the Bible says he has extravagant love for you. And then the prayer for you and for me is that we would have the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. And the NIV says it this way, that we would have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You see, he wants to be right with you. Jesus sent him intentionally so that while we were here on the earth, that it would be the, the closest thing to having Jesus right there with us. He wants to be an intimate friend. What would that be like? Then last week, we talked about how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and we discovered that, um, that we, have, uh, we have a God that speaks today. He didn't, he didn't stop speaking. He didn't go mute after the first apostles. He still speaks today. Now, he almost never speaks in an audible voice to people. That has happened sometimes, but that's not what you should be seeking is audible voices, okay? You, sometimes you'll have what you feel like are thoughts in your heart, and just to be honest, they're not yours sometimes because if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, he wants to speak to you, and we found out that God doesn't have a speaking problem. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a problem speaking. Sometimes we have a hearing problem. So we talked about how to have ears to hear the Holy Spirit. And if you, and if you missed either one of those messages, I, I, you know, I encourage you to go back to the Church Center app or website or YouTube page and catch up. But today, this is the question that I'm asking, is what would it, what would it be like to have that close friendship, that intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit? That he is an actual person, that he's not just this wispy thing or this concept or picture of a dove, that, that it, it, he's somebody that could see through maybe some of the walls that we put up and the messes that we are, somebody that we don't have to hide from, somebody that fully knows me, knows you, that wants the best for you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He would, he'll never let us go. He'll never let us down. This person that will never leave us. Because I know life is riddled with issues. You know, and as a pastor, I'm very aware that we as a congregation or as individuals, we have a lot of things to overcome. We have to, we have to deal with negative emotions and sadness and anxiety, and, and we have to battle all those things, not to mention when just pure crazy comes, right? And so we have to battle sometimes with exhaustion or confusion, or sometimes you just feel alone. And, and sometimes it can be actual physical pain that you battle. I know what it's like to be in a place where I don't know if I can measure up. I've been there where I don't know if I can pay that bill or not. Or maybe that dream that God put in my heart that now seems so far away and I just don't know if I could ever reach it. I know what it's like to have friends that let me down. You know what that's like too, friends that have let you down, that have abandoned you. We all know what it's like to have problems with friends or colleagues or spouses or parents, children, and we're not sure how to overcome those things. But a solid, meaningful relationship with the Holy Spirit is the answer to all of those things, okay? But sometimes a relationship with a seemingly silent, sometimes 
invisible person seems difficult sometimes. I mean, just to be honest, because sometimes he, he does, he seems like this wispy things with no consciousness or no shape. And like, how am I going to have a relationship with that, with that person? And so today, what I want to do is I want to dig in just a little bit deeper to the personality of the Holy Spirit. What is it that makes him tick? What is his personality? Because listen, I think the more we understand somebody and who they are, the deeper relationship and connection you can actually have with them, okay? And the deeper connection that we can have with them when, you, when we understand their voice, their preferences, you know, and what a good friend that we can be or they can be. But the problem we have is we can know all about the Holy Spirit and what he does. We can even learn to hear his voice. And yet, if we don't know him, then we will have a hard time relating to him as that intimate friend, that close friend. So a lot of people don't actually know him. Sometimes we don't actually know the personality of our friend, the Holy Spirit. We can know about him. We can read about him in the Bible. We can, we can kind of understand what he does, what he doesn't do. We can understand all the rules, his position in the God hand. But if we don't actually know him personally, we're going to have a hard time relating to him. We're going to have a hard time following him. We're going to have a hard time hearing his voice, hearing those promptings when he's asking us to do something, the warnings when he's asking, when he's wanting us to stay away from things. His conviction when he wants to encourage us from the inside out against things that might be bad for me or bad for other people. And if we're not careful, we can, we can just leave him in our mind as this mysterious being that's just out there. As opposed to somebody that we are pursuing an intimate relationship with. And here's the truth, though. Honestly, he can be a little bit mysterious. Okay? So what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit today about, so why is he mysterious? What is it that's made it so difficult for us to connect to him? And once again, there is a part of his nature that just to be honest, it is a little bit difficult for people to understand. And a lot of it is found in the word Holy Spirit itself. He's called the Holy Spirit. That's not his name, but, but there is nothing in they, they call him spirit. In the Bible, the King James says, Holy Ghost. And uh, the truth is, is that there is nothing, um, there's nothing, there's nothing close to the word ghost that describes him, okay? The word spirit is a word that the English translators created because they didn't know how to translate the actual original words. 800 times in the scripture, this word spirit is mentioned, Okay? It's actually in the second verse of the Bible. And in the Old Testament, that's written in Hebrew language originally, um, here it's the word ruach. It's kind of like Klingon, but it's not. You have to kind of clear your throat at the end. Ruach. But it, it means a wind, a breath. It's, this, is, this is the word spirit, a breath, a wind, a, a violent exhal, exhalation, blast of breath. That's the word. In fact, in the second verse of the Bible is the first time that this word ruach is mentioned when it's talking about the Holy Spirit. The earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. This is in the very beginning. And the ruach or the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This was the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the wind, in other words. 
Now, the New Testament was written in a different language. It was written in Greek, and so obviously it's a different word. But again, the English translation is going to be spirit usually in the Bible, sometimes ghost in the, New, in the King James, but it's far from that, okay, because they had to make up this word spirit. The original word was pneuma, and this is how it translates, a current of air, not a ghost, not some goofy weird experience, right? It's a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. Now, these are the literal translations of the word spirit, okay? Now, because the Holy Spirit is this wind-like or breath-like experience, there are some unique characteristics associated with him that I think will help you get comfortable with him. Okay, now all of us are familiar with wind, right? We've all felt wind. We know what breath is like. We all have breath. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. But we understand the characteristics of those things that are like the Holy Spirit. And if we understand this, I think we'll be more comfortable with him as our close friend, okay? There are three things that I, I can find that are unique to wind that also relate to and are associated with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, okay? The first one is this. You can't see wind. Now, you can feel it, but you can't see it. The same thing with the Holy Spirit. You can feel him, but you can't see him. Now, he actually desires that we feel him, all right? Although we don't run on feelings, right? This is true. However... Sometimes it's good to feel him, right? He wants his presence to be experienced. Hopefully that happened in their worship time this morning, you know? It's more than just singing words or songs. And let me say this. The worship service in the first part, some of us, we treat the worship part the, the music and the worship part, kind of like it's the previews to the movie. As long as we get there before the preaching starts, we're good. Here's the thing. In the church service, the worship time, everything else is for you. It's the only place in the service that is actually not for you. It's for him. So can I encourage you? Be on time. Don't show up late for the part that's actually for him. Come. Be here on time. I want to encourage you. Gently, I want to encourage you. Because one of the things that the worship service is designed to do, it's not just for you to receive, but it's, and it's not just for you to worship him, but it's also for you to experience him. Because we invite the actual manifest presence of God to be in the room with us. Why is that? So I don't have to preach so good every Sunday. No, so something else would impact your life, right? Take some pressure off of me. No. But this is our prayer, though, over our services every week, is that you would experience the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us, we got to be truthful. We don't like the fact that he is unseen. We like things that we can touch and feel, right? And sometimes that's because, just to be honest, I like things I can control. If you want to get comfortable with the unseen nature, the holy wind, there's actually a story in the Bible where Jesus, see, when Jesus paid for our sins, he died on the cross, he went to the tomb, and then he rose, he rose again. And after that, he actually spent 40 days, like over a month, just hanging out with his disciples after he rose again. And he would kind of pop in and he would show up, you know, when his disciples were meeting during this 40 days. And there was one occasion that Jesus shows up, and there was one of the disciples that was missing. 
it's who we know as Thomas or Doubting Thomas. And this is why he gets this name. Jesus leaves and the other disciple says, Jesus was here. It was awesome. And Thomas goes, nah, uh-uh. I saw him die. He's in the tomb. He is not here. And they said, no, 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 really. We saw him. And he said, no, all right, well, then I got to see him for myself. So one time when Thomas was there, Jesus shows up. The doors were locked. He pops in. He just appears, walks through a door, I mean, through a, a, a wall or something. Thomas goes, uh-uh, I'm not believing it. I still not believing it. This is a bad taco. Not unless I put my fingers in the holes in his hand or in the, or the hole in his side where they pierced him. And so Jesus shows him. He shows him his hands, and he shows him his side where the spear went in. Thomas says, you are Jesus. And Jesus says, yes. And then he makes this statement that I want to show you today. It's in uh, chapter 20 of John. He says, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. I think God is looking for people who don't always have to have the seeing side of things in order to believe. And I'm telling you that his presence is with you all the time. He's here now. And we've got to stop being so skeptical about things that we can't necessarily see. All right. Another characteristic of wind or breath is that wind is very unpredictable. It's very unpredictable. You, you know, you, it, it'll go th- blow this way, then it'll blow that way. And even at airports, they have these wind socks, right? That, so that the air traffic control can see how the wind is changing and so that they can help land the plane even in the wind as it changes direction. Now, I think honestly, it's human nature to want God to do the same thing the same way all the time forever, okay? We like to put God in a box, right? And honestly, a lot of times within the reason why there's so many types of church is that one t- person's type of experience, we, they just said, hey, we're going to do it from thi- like this from now on, and they create these doctrines around experience. But the problem is that the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. In, um, in John chapter 3, this is a story where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, right? And he's saying, hey, you must be born again. And Jesus tells him, he says, he says the wind, now watch this. Right here, this word wind, this is pretty cool. The translators decided not to use the word spirit, but guess which word this is? It's that Greek word pneuma, the same word that they use in the Holy Spirit. But this time they use the word wind. All right, so Jesus says the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone that's born of the pneuma, this is that word pneuma too. In other words, if you're going to be close, if you're going to have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to be comfortable with the unpredictable nature that he has. Stop trying to put rules and regulations around experiences that people have. He's unpredictable. And if, if we understand that and we're comfortable with that, it actually can be pretty fun. Okay? But what I want us to do is get comfortable with him. Okay, another attribute of wind and the Holy Spirit is that they are powerful. Here in North Carolina, we have seen the power of wind firsthand, have we not? This is actually the third most uh, active state when it comes to hurricanes in the United States. 
And it, it's a part of the nature of the Holy Spirit, Spirit that it has power. And some people are fine with God, but they would actually rather have a God that they can, they can, they can fit into their minds, right? They always want to know everything, you know? I'm not going anywhere with God until I can fit it in my brain, which means God can never be bigger than your brain. There is a supernatural, powerful side to the Holy Spirit. And actually, personally, I like that part. I'm so glad that God is bigger than my brain. There are things that are about, that, that are about God that are far beyond what I can understand. And I think it's absolutely amazing that he is powerful beyond my comprehension. Most of us, we're okay serving God, you know, on an intellectual level. But I'm telling you, that's a deficiency in modern-day Christianity right now. We want God to be learned and understood in our mind, yes, but, man, we do not want to go to that place where there are powerful things that we don't understand taking place. Now, I'm telling you, we need more than just intellect. I'm telling you, the things that I face today, that you face today, needs more than me just teaching you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I'm telling you, God still does signs and wonders. He's the great healer. He has not shut his doors. He hasn't shut, closed up shop. And at the same time, he's not weird or strange. A lot of the packaging of the Holy Spirit is weird and strange. But I'm telling you, go after, seek, Build a, whole, a relationship with a powerful God because he does. He still does miracles today. We heard about it in the testimony. But a lot of times we're more interested in intellectual things than actual power, all right? The first case in the Bible of the, uh, the pouring, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, um, Jesus predicted it. He told him, he said, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you're gonna be baptized with this pneuma, all right, this breath, this holy breath. And he says, so I'm gonna send you some power and watch what they say next. He says, I'm gonna give you power. And at, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Who's gonna be our leader? Are you gonna like politically restore the kingdom to who it belongs to? Because they were being occupied by Rome. And Jesus says, I'm gonna give you power. And they're like, okay, yeah, that, that's, that's cool. But like, is this the time that you're gonna fix everything politically for us? Notice how they redirected what he wanted to give them to, hey, could, you know, we've been working on our end time chart and we have the people that we'd like to be in charge and we're kind of concerned about this. We always want to serve God on an intellectual level. Watch how Jesus responds to them when they do this. And this is for a lot of us today, okay? He says, it's Nunya. It's not for you to know. Stop trying to be an intellectual Christian. It's not for you to know the times and the dates. Okay, let's get back on track here, guy. You're gonna receive power. You don't need a, you don't need a chart. You don't need to notice stuff. You wanna receive power, the Holy Spirit, the wind that comes upon you. I wanna get us comfortable with the Holy Spirit, that he's not weird and strange and goofy, but there is a nature to the Spirit of God that sometimes we've been turned off by, and it's actually his personality, that he's unseen, that he's unpredictable, and that he has power. He does things in ways that are beyond your human understanding. And I need this. I want this relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
In fact, in Zechariah, it says, it's not by might or power, but by the ruach. That's that word, says the Lord Almighty. We need more of the wind and the breath and the presence. We need the Spirit of God to actually fill us. Paul said it like this. He said, our gospel did not come to you with just with words, but it came with what? With power, with the Holy Spirit, and a deep conviction, that pneuma, that breath, that blast, the wind of God. And then what's the result? It's deep conviction. Your life changed. He's a breath of fresh air. We actually sit outside this last week. I sat on my porch on the breeze. It was, I was just drawn to it. And I think we need to be drawn to it in the spiritual as well. Okay, Here's the prayer that I pray pray for myself. It's the same prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. It's simply this, be filled with, breath, with his breath, with his wind. And, I'm, and I know you're, you're nervous because you're like, if I do, like what's going to happen? Like am I have to roll around on the floor? You know, it's like, I'm nervous. And if we do this, you know, I'm, I'm going to become this wild-eyed fanatic and we're going to turn into some kind of flake who runs from revival to revival to revival. That's not what's in the Bible. Some of you want it, but you're also guarded. And here's what I encourage you to pray. Just pray. This week, I want everything that you have to me, for me. I want to be filled. I want an intimate relationship, Holy Spirit, with you. Yeah, but if I pray that, what's going to happen? Here's some terms that have been heard in the church. And uh, some of these terms are not in the Bible. We say things like, oh, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to get the evidence of, and then they name things. In other words, if you have it, this is what's going to, if you have him, this is what's going to happen to you. And I really don't like the word evidence because that allows you to judge my level of spirituality. Oh, you didn't, you didn't get what I got, so you're not as, not as close to God as I am. No, see, it's not an evidence. There are benefits There are things that the Spirit of God wants to bring to you, and they are benefits if you're filled with Him. And and sometimes it's not what you think they are. So the question then becomes, so what are those benefits? What are the benefits? I mean, if I ask the Holy Spirit, fill me, do with me what you will. I want everything that you have for me. What are the benefits? What's going to happen when I get those benefits? We're going to answer that question next week. As we continue the series, Holy Spirit, third person. Will you stand with me?